you wake up feeling slim and then by the end of the day you look six months pregnant? Or do you struggle with bouts of constipation for no apparent reason? Well, you're going to love our guest today. Dr. Heather Finley talks about all things gut health, from bloating to constipation to what your poop says about your gut and how that influences your mental and physical health. She is a great program to help you get to the bottom of your digestive issues too. Let's dive in. Okay, I am super excited about this interview. I don't know how Dr. Finley or Heather popped up on my Instagram feed, but it was I've been following her for a while. And she always has great information, and I've just been intrigued. I don't know why I didn't think to suggest her as a guest on the podcast a while back. Um, so I'm excited to share this interview today, and I even want to sign up for her program now after talking to her. So. Oh, yeah. She is a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So let me read her bio, and then we'll bring her on. Dr. Heather Finley is a registered dietitian. She helps people struggling with bloating, constipation, and IBS find relief from their symptoms and feel excited about food again. Heather struggled with her own digestive issues for nearly 20 years and understands firsthand the impact that nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset have on digestive health. Gut health shouldn't be restrictive, stressful, and all-consuming. She developed a simple way that individuals can reduce digestive symptoms and add foods back into their diet. Dr. Heather has a doctorate in clinical nutrition from Maryland University of Integrative Health. Her work has also been featured on Good Morning Texas and in Mind Body Green, Yahoo Life, and Very Well Health. Okay, so Heather, we are really excited to have you today, and we're so grateful that you made time to talk to us about this very, very important topic. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we get started, do you want to tell us a little bit or tell our, I mean, we, I feel like we know because, you know, we've, we've read up on you, but will you tell our listeners a little bit about what brought you into this like particular niche? Yeah. So I always tell people that I was born constipated and that's why I'm interested in gut health. And that sounds really sad and depressing and I don't mean it to be that way, but truly I feel like my interest in gut health has been lifelong because of my own struggles with digestive issues. And for really a lot of my life, I don't think I realized that what I was struggling with was like not normal because it had just always been a part of my life until there were multiple instances, which I won't get into. I talk about that on my podcast when I tell a long version of my story. But um, when I realized, wow, other people aren't constipated and other people don't have their stomach hurting every time they eat. So maybe there's something wrong with me. Um, But I dealt with lots of constipation, lots of bloating, headaches, and just rashes as a kid. And my mom took me to all these practitioners and they would either tell me like take Miralax or even one doctor told me just take Tylenol every single day as like a preventative to make sure that you don't get a headache. And even as like a young teenager, I was thinking like that surely can't be good for you, right? Like I'm not going to just take Tylenol every single day. And so anyways, Fast forward, I was also a competitive swimmer and I remember sitting on the pool deck one day before practice and a dietitian came on the pool deck and she did this really quick talk telling us about sports nutrition. And I came home and I told my mom 
that I just, that's what I wanted to do. I had no idea that you could actually study nutrition in college. And so um, this was actually my like end of my junior year of high school. And so we had looked at all these other schools. I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Um, So I'm like, we got to scrap all that changing plans. So we looked for schools that had nutrition as a major and had a swim team. And so anyways, I went to TCU to study nutrition and to swim. And a lot of the, the idea behind that was one, I wanted to know what I could eat to swim as fast as possible. And I also thought, well, maybe I can fix my gut issues because nobody has been able to help me. So fast forward even more, graduated college. And to be honest, my gut issues were even worse than they were when I started. And so really graduated feeling kind of like I made a huge mistake, um, thinking, I think I chose the wrong career. I can't even help myself. So how am I going to help other people? Um, started my first job in clinical and couldn't wait to get out if I'm being completely honest and really started looking at alternative ways to fix digestion. And it sent me down this long path of learning about functional nutrition and learning about kind of holistic health. And that's what really led me to go get a doctorate in this was I think for all my life, and I know for all my life, that I thought the reason that I was bloated, the reason I was constipated was because of one food that I was eating. Like I just needed to figure out what was the one food or handful of foods that were causing my symptoms. And I had this huge light bulb moment go off when I realized maybe it's not actually the food. Maybe it's the overtraining, you know, years of being an athlete. Maybe it's the stress management that I'm not doing. Maybe it's the fact that I don't sleep well. Maybe it's all these other things that are contributing to my gut issues. And also maybe it's what I'm not eating that's actually causing my symptoms. So I started this doctorate program and it truly changed my life because I finally realized that elimination diets were no longer the solution for digestive issues, much like you read on Google and you see on the internet. And I realized that there's a much deeper issue. And, you know, so much of what we learn in school is how, oh, if you have this condition, you go see this doctor and you do this thing. And we put everything in its own box versus looking at how does everything actually function together. So, did this doctorate program and really like the goal of part of it was to fix myself. And now I tell people I, I went and got a doctorate to figure this out so that you don't have to, because I truly don't think that people should have to go get a doctorate to figure out their gut issues. But for a lot of people like me who struggled with gut issues for their whole life, it might feel like that. Like you have all this information and nothing's working and your doctors can't help you. And you kind of just feel like you're spinning your wheels. So, um, now I am a registered dietitian still. I didn't totally abandon my career, which was, which was good, even though there were many times that I wanted to. Um, but now I help women with digestive issues, find relief by identifying the actual causes of their symptoms, adding in foods and getting off the elimination diet that are sustainable. Wow. I know. That is, I have so many more questions now than we have time for. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Part two and three to cover. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So 
now that we now that we got your whole backstory, I feel like that actually like segues into this like first or this next question really well. Like, why do you feel like you know gut health is so important to your overall health? And when I say overall health, like because we talk a lot about mental wellness, like I mean, can you touch on both physical and mental health? Mm-hmm. So, and I think. Like just as kind of a caveat here, I think a lot of the reason that I was led astray so many times growing up is because a lot of this we didn't know. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of the research on gut health is fairly new in comparison to other research that we have about other health conditions. Um, So like even when I was in college, I'm not that old, but like the gut brain connection was Nobody was talking about that because really nobody knew about that. And so that's kind of the caveat here is there's still a lot of research that needs to be done, but we have tons of research now that we didn't have, you know, 20 years ago. And so gut health is crucial for overall health because really everything starts and ends there. Your gut is connected to every other system in your body and they all work together. So you're hormone system affects your gut and vice versa. Um, you mentioned your mental well-being. Your the gut brain connection is a real thing and a lot of people can relate to maybe a gut instinct experience where maybe you had a big meeting or something you were really nervous about and you went running to the bathroom. That connection can be really strong. But the interesting part about that connection is that there's actually more signaling going from your gut to your brain than there is from your brain to your gut. And so if you think about how strong that reaction is, what's happening now on a daily basis going up from your or from your gut up to your brain that we're not even noticing. Our gut has a huge influence on our mood, um, our anxiety, our sleep, our brain fog is something that I hear from a lot of the women that we work with. Um, like I just, I can't focus. I feel like I'm scatterbrained all over the place. And so, you know, a lot of times people think of gut issues as, oh, bloat or constipation. And surely that's definitely a part of it. But usually those issues stem a lot further. You know, they're experiencing issues with their hormones, issues with focus and concentration, mood, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, that leads us into our next question, which was, what are the most common signs you see of gut issues? And maybe some that people may not realize are related to a gut issue that say, oh, there's gut issues to you, but would never say to the average person, you know, what's your gut? One of the ones that I never realized was a gut issue in my own experience and something we see in a lot of the clients we work with is rashes. Um, Rashes can be a huge sign of a gut issue, whether it's from histamine intolerance or whatever it might be. Rashes can be a big one or really any skin issue, eczema, psoriasis, et cetera. Uh, What your body can't get rid of via your stool, it will come out on your skin. And so if you aren't eliminating properly, it has to find a way out. And so sometimes that's via your skin. And so skin and skin issues and rashes is a common one. Um, mood issues is another one, um, you know, an increase in anxiety. There's actual research now about specific strains of probiotics that actually affect mood and overall well-being, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's something that we see a lot. 
Um, the brain fog, like I mentioned, that's another big one. You know, if there's a bunch of stuff going on in your gut, it's very hard to think clearly. And that can be a really frustrating thing. And then hormone issues as well. So there's a whole a group of bacteria called the astrobolome, um, and it has to do with estrogen metabolism. And one of the ways that you detox estrogen is actually through your stool. And as I mentioned earlier, like if you're not eliminating properly, then it can cause a lot of backup. And so I know before we started recording, we were talking about menopause and perimenopause. And um, so that can definitely be a key player there as well. Yeah. So I was saying to Briarly, I don't feel I'm 46 and I don't feel like until I got to my mid 30s that I started noticing a connection between what I ate and bloating. Like it just became a lot more noticeable. And I don't remember that earlier in life. Like, I don't know why. Um, but I feel like it's more of an issue. And for a lot of people in our age range, I feel like it's a very common thing. Um, so is there, is this related to perimenopause? Is there a change in your gut health or a change in other things? Is it the hormone changes? Yeah, your hormones definitely influence your gut bacteria, but it's really coming kind of from both ends. And I think there's also a lot of outside triggers as well. And of course, this is going to be very overgeneralized because everybody's different. But you think about that stage of life, you know, if you have kids, that's stressful. So that has an effect on your gut health. Your stomach acid naturally declines as you age. So that can be another reason why people start experiencing more bloating as they age. Um, you know, if you've been on birth control for a lot of your life, that depletes um, a lot of nutrients and minerals in your body that are essential for digestion. And there's research showing that hormonal birth control also alters the gut microbiome, which is pretty crazy. So I think there's a lot of factors, but yes, when you are going through menopause, there are shifts and changes to your gut bacteria. Um, and that can affect, you know, the symptoms that you might be experiencing as well, probably compounded by all the other life factors that are present at that time too, depending on your situation. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about how, um, like you mentioned how anxiety um, and other like uh, other mood uh, disorders, I guess, is the only other word I can think to use, uh, can really be linked in with your gut health, right? So just, I don't know if you can generalize this much, but like, let's say I came to you and I was like, okay, I like, you know, more recently started experiencing anxiety. I didn't have it before. Like, how might you, what might you recommend in terms of like something that I could do for my gut health or how might you walk through, like walk through that? Yeah. So I think always the best place to start is by how you eat versus what you eat, which I know mm. sounds really weird for a dietitian to say, yeah, yeah. but your the way in which you eat really affects your digestion. And so we see tons of clients that they're like, well, really, regardless of what I eat, I'm bloated, which tells me this is not a food issue. This is a gut issue. And if you think about the process of digestion, it really starts at the head and it goes all the way through. Um, it's an open system. Um, a lot of times people just think of your gut as like your intestines, but really there's so many steps of digestion that have to even happen before food actually ends 
enters your small and your large intestine. So the process of how you, (coughs) if you are approaching a meal with, um, in a relaxed state, feeling calm, uh, not feeling threatened by the food. Maybe you have a poor relationship with food or you're thinking this is going to make me bloated or this has too many calories or whatever narrative you're telling yourself. Immediately that's sending your body into a stress response and your body doesn't know the difference between an actual tiger chasing you or the food potentially being this threat based on kind of the narrative that you have in your head. And so one of the things that we work on with our clients is how can you relax before you eat? Because when you're relaxed, we know that you will produce more saliva. You will produce more stomach acid. You will produce more pancreatic enzymes. Your bile will, your bile flow will be better. And all those things matter for actually digesting your food. So focusing on how you eat can actually make it easier for you to tolerate a wider variety of foods versus just you know, the common thing, at least on Instagram is, oh, you're bloated, just cut out gluten and dairy, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. not like the most helpful recommendation because there's a lot of people that don't need to do that. Got it. Got it. Okay. So quick side note, and then we can go back or, or quick, like, uh, tell me what is your opinion on people eating standing up? Oh, interesting. Um, so it's best to be relaxed while you're eating. Um, So I guess if you can be relaxed while you're standing up, then great. But I I don't know. I have seen some things that are like, don't eat standing up because it's worse for your digestion. But I don't really know that there's any like research about that. But I just think if you can eat in the most relaxed state, then great. Okay. Wow. So all those days I sat at my desk and worked through lunch. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. And, and here's the thing. Like, it's not a perfect situation, right? I mean. Yes, true. Any, everybody listening to this probably has worked through lunch, eaten in front of the couch or eating, eating on the couch in front of the TV or eaten while they're driving. Everybody mm-hmm. has. And there also will be circumstances in which you do that in the future. But we're, we're looking at the overall average of these things. So on most occasions, can you eat in a relaxed manner. On most occasions, can you eat not at your desk, you know, um, et cetera. And obviously you add kids into the mix and that just makes things even harder. So like you just do what you can in the situation that, that you have. I will say when my kids were really little, um, I, they were like two and four or five and they would eat dinner. I didn't come home from work at that point until like almost six. And they would eat dinner either with their sitter before I got home or I would like literally feed them as soon as I walked in the door. Then I would use their, I would like, we, we would eat the same foods. It just would be like different, you know? So then I would take and make my plate from whatever yeah. was like the meal. I would put them in the shower because they were really interested in showering. And I we had a big shower, right? And so they had all their toys all over the floor. And I'd put them in the shower. And then I sat for like 35 minutes on the bathroom floor <laughs> and ate my dinner and dr- usually drank my glass of wine. And I'm not kidding. It sounds really weird and people thought I was like nuts. But it was the, it was the only way that I could enjoy like a relaxing dinner. And dinner is like my favorite meal of the day. So I was like, it's really important to me to like make dinner enjoyable. 
And it was like, it worked. It, it, it worked for me because the idea of eating at the table with them at yeah. that stage of life, I was like, mm-hmm. no, so stressful. <laughs> yeah. No, it's complete chaos. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh, so I'm in that stage. Yeah. And yeah, there's some nights I look at my husband and I'm like, I think I'm just going to wait. Like, yeah. I'm, I've gotten up 17 times and it's only been two minutes to get, you know, whatever is being demanded. And so, you know, that's what I tell my clients is like, you do the best you can in the situation that you're given. And like, if you have young kids, this might seem completely impossible, but I also think that there's a way to engage them in this. Like one thing that we do is, um, and my four-year-old takes it very seriously is we have, she gets to decide who's the prayer helper and who's the breathing helper. And so someone says the prayer and then someone directs the breathing exercise. And even my one-year-old like knows what we're doing now. And he thinks it's hilarious. So (laughs) we do the breathing exercises. We all take three deep breaths together. And I'm like, at least I was calm for like 20 seconds and that's great. So, um, you know, there are ways I think to get your kids involved and potentially help even in the future, even if it's not in this moment. Yeah. That so that was an interesting nugget. So you do three deep breaths before you eat. Yes. And so the purpose of that is, It's getting your system into a rest and digest, basically saying, this is a safe environment. We can start the process of digestion. There's no tiger to run away from right now. We can relax and enjoy our meal. And so there's lots of things you can do to do that. You can take deep breaths. Some of our clients will hum happy birthday twice, and their kids also really like that. Um, You can smell your food, and that actually helps stimulate salivation and the whole digestive Mm. process. So anything that kind of like sets the tone of like, I am now going to digest my food. Wow. Interesting. That is so cool. I think my children would just laugh me away from the dinner table, but I'm going to make them try it. Well, I've got a 13 and 16-year-old. We'll see how this yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I know now. I think her 16-year-old would text me and be like, did you put my mom up to this? Uh, I'm sure she's going to video it and send yeah. it to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we had another question, too. We wanted to know, what do your digestive or rather bathroom habits maybe tell you about your health or do you use Mm -hmm. that to diagnose or figure out what's going on I remember I was with my kids on spring break a couple years ago they were probably nine and twelve and I had a the podcast some podcast and some random one that I downloaded that I wanted to listen to came on and it was it was a poop episode and it was like all about the different kinds of poop and what it means and they thought they I still remember it to this day. Oh, they thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. They were dying. Yeah. 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 But it does tell you a lot about your health, I think. Mm-hmm. It does. And here's the thing. Everyone poops. So I think there's a lot of shame around that. But, like, we should be observing and making sure all is good. But the patterns do actually tell us a lot. So the first thing is we should be pooping every day. If you're not going to the bathroom every day, I don't care what your doctor says, you should be going to the bathroom every day. I can't tell you how many of our clients have like gone to the doctor and they've (laughs) been like, oh, um, you know, if you go three times a week, it's okay. No, you should be, you eat every day. You should be going to the bathroom every single day. You eat multiple times a day. So one to three bowel movements a day is what we're going for. And the other piece of this is 
you can actually still have a bowel movement every day and be constipated. Um, you want to make sure that your bowel movements are actually satisfying. Again, weird to talk about, but you should feel relieved afterwards. I don't know a better way to say it. Okay. That's a good way to but put it though. Yeah. I think everybody Some other things to look at is like your bowel movement should be soft and easy to pass. If it's rock hard, pebbly deer poop, then I think we need some fiber. I think we need some water potentially. If it's on the complete opposite end of the scale, um, potentially we also need some fiber. Maybe there's some kind of infection um, or some kind of reaction going on. Or honestly, a stress response is pretty common for loose stools as well. Um, and there's obviously deeper things that we can get into, but those are kind of like the basic things that you want to check off, but then also looking at the patterns and your symptoms. So, um, like related to bloating, if you wake up and you're not bloated, but you progress more bloated throughout the day, sometimes people will say like, Oh, I feel six months pregnant by the end of the day with mm -hmm. bloat. There's something going on with your gut bacteria that is causing this progression and bloat. If you're bloating like an hour or two after meals, we definitely want to look at your overall digestion, your pancreatic output, your stomach acid, et cetera. Um, and then if you're waking up bloated, more than likely you're probably constipated because you should have cleaned yourself out the day before and you should wake up not bloated. Um, of course, there are times in your cycle and times of the month where maybe you're more prone to bloating, ovulation, etc. But in general, it shouldn't be so pronounced that it's painful, that you can't button your pants, that you know you can't go do things that you want to do. Those would be some signs maybe that there's something going on that's not normal. And then, of course, the color, too. If your poop is not brown, if it is red, we definitely need to go to the doctor and check out what's going on. If it's green, probably also need to go get checked out and see if there's some kind of infection. Um, and if it's yellow or more of like a pale color, we definitely need to look at like liver, gallbladder, pancreas, um, and then the consistency as well. So it should not, you should not have to wipe multiple times. It should be easy to wipe. If it's sticky like peanut butter, we want to look at your fat digestion. Um, so hopefully that gives some more insight, probably more information than people ever wanted about That's their poop. Interesting. So interesting. Yeah. So <clears throat> do you have a chart? I do have a chart. So I have a chart that we give our clients, but it's easy to look up. So if you just look up Bristol stool scale, this will tell you. You can look at what number you are on the Bristol stool scale. We're going for a number four. Um, and there's other charts that you can look up, but that one is probably the place to start. Cool. I kind of want to start like recording or like keeping a log. Keeping a log. Is that gross? <laughs> Caroline's going to start a poop diary. Um, My 16 year old's going to love, love this. That. So we definitely, thank you for sharing that because we will absolutely link that in the show notes um, because that would, that, I mean, I think, I think any type of visual reference can be really helpful. Um, yeah. Interesting. Poop is just something you ignore. You tend to ignore and just like, you don't look at the details, but like it can tell you so much. It really can. I would say having kids taught me that, right? Because they ask you when your kids are little, the pediatrician mm -hmm. asks you constantly about their bowel movements. Yeah. Um, and my, both my girls have struggled with constipation. And so, you know, we went through a phase where I would, I, they'll, fortunately they're not old enough to listen to this. Otherwise they would die. But, um, 
they, we've gone through phases where I'm like, you may not flush the toilet. Like I need to come and see what is going on before you flush the toilet. Um, which usually, you know, kids don't flush toilets anyway, so it's fine. But, um, you know, it really, it really does tell you a lot, especially, especially if your kid is struggling with, I think, any GI issue. Um, yeah. But my poor daughter, she now like, mom, you have to come see this. I'm like, okay. Okay, here I come. <laughs> like there's no shame in our house. It's so uh, good. That is so good. Well, you have a whole program that you've created um, that helps people get their gut health back on track. Can you tell us a little more about that? And I'm assuming it's it's virtual too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I created a program called the Gut Together Program, and really my whole intention with this program was to help people, of course, find relief from their digestive symptoms, but do it in a way that was sustainable and also in a way that didn't feel like a doctor's office. And I don't mean that to be like demeaning to doctors, but just the way that our medical system is set up. You know, if you're if you're really struggling with GI issues. It doesn't help when you go, you wait six months for a doctor's appointment and then you have 15 minutes and they give you a handout and then you can't get in for another six weeks or months even. Yeah. And so my whole goal was to create a hub for people to have support and have that one-on-one accessibility and to really also understand their digestive symptoms because like even as dietitians it's something that we were really not taught in school like what does poop Mm -hmm. say about your symptoms or what do these different patterns teach you so um, those are things that we teach our clients um, in the program so it's an educational program but it's also a program that helps with more of the kind of the functional side of things so we do stool testing We recommend protocols based on stool testing. Um, We, of course, recommend different diet and lifestyle shifts. And really, our goal is to partner alongside of clients to help them so that then once they, quote unquote, graduate from this program at six months long, they know how to do it on their own so they can travel without digestive issues. So they can navigate, you know, the symptoms if they arise during a stressful period and that they have the resources that they need to do it long term. And you're so right, like your poop, what it means, and then the gut brain axis, the gut in general was not stuff we learned in school at all. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. But I would would almost love to do this. So is it, is it, um, are you in a group or is it one-on-one or how does it work? So we have both. So we have our one-on-one program and then we also have our membership. And so our membership is our community program. Um, You get educational modules each week. There's a community chat where you can ask questions, even like really specific questions to you and get support. And then we have weekly calls as well for questions and we have topics and everything else. Um, And then our one-on-one clients, there's also one-on-one appointments, uh, weekly symptom insights. So you mentioned like a poop log. We actually have our clients log their symptoms. Um, and like on our app, they can log their symptoms and every week our team goes in and gives them feedback. So they'd say, Hey, so-and-so notice that your bloating had, you know, increased this week. I think it might be because of the stress that you're under. I think it could be from this, like, let's look at these patterns. Here's what we would recommend. And so every week they're getting kind of a symptom 
summary and insights of kind of what we're noticing. And since so many of our clients have done most elimination diets, really our goal is also to actually add foods back into their diet. So we'll provide recommendations like, I know you were wanting to add this food. Here's how we'd recommend adding that in. And so it's a great way for people to put their symptoms out there, but not feel like they have to micromanage it. They'll just allow us to give them the insights and allow us to give them their next steps. So that's what we do um, on the one-on-one side with our clients. Got it. And do you see men, women, and adolescents, or, or I guess even kids too? We don't, we'll, we'll see some teenagers. We don't see little kids, um, like 10 and under basically, but we will see adolescents, um, or sorry, teenagers. Um, but the program itself is for 18 and over. Okay. Okay. Neat. I know. And we're going to link all of Dr. Finley's information in the show notes and everything. Um, cause I'm intrigued. Like I kind of, I, I, I want to join. Okay. You, Carolyn's going <laughs> to pop up in one of your groups. Mark my words. <laughs> <laughs> we love to have you. Well, I've done just it's enough, a fun group. It's, I bet. Um, I've done just enough reading and research where I know some, but it's never an area I've been to like really able to like dive in, like when it comes to your digestive habits and, and gut. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Well, Our last question for you is we wanted to hear what you do every day for your own gut health. Oh, man. Okay. So there's a couple things that I do every day um, or I try to do. I am a human. I am not perfect. But the things that I try to do, number one is prioritize sleep. Sleep has a huge impact on gut health. um, And your gut has a circadian rhythm just like your hormones do. And so getting um, adequate sleep is really important. Um, And so then the second thing is getting adequate sleep, but also getting sunlight in the morning. Uh, Sunlight in the morning helps to basically tell your system, hey, it's time to be awake, which also can signal a bowel movement, which can be really, really important for a lot of people uh, who struggle to go to the bathroom every single day. Um, And then the other thing is drinking enough water. Um, And I am a huge fan of minerals and water, which is probably a whole nother topic for another time, but huge fan of minerals because they're literally the foundation of every enzyme process in the body and they make a huge difference. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. When you said um, getting sunlight and it make you trigger you to have a bowel movement in the morning. Is there a reason like, is this, is it sunlight that kind of like makes you mm-hmm. go in the morning that triggers those circadian rhythms or, cause I mean, I think, I don't think I'm abnormal in saying like, usually I go in the morning, you know, yeah, it's not yeah, right yeah. when I get up, but yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. So your gut functions on the same circadian rhythm as the rest of your hormones, or it wants to at least. And so when you get sunlight in your eyes, like direct or indirect sunlight, but preferably without sunglasses and actually outside, not through a window, it tells your system, we don't need any more melatonin. It's time to be awake. And so this is why it's all connected, right? Your hormones, which melatonin is a hormone, it affects that whole process. And so that morning sunlight is essentially making a shift in your hormones saying it's daylight time. And so we're going to function like it's daylight. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting, these are more lifestyle habits. We're not talking yeah. about foods to avoid or, you know. Right, like, or how much Miralax to right, add to your even, water or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Although I'm not opposed to Miralax when, when in need. Um, you did mention minerals in water. Do you... Uh, do you use a particular water brand? Do you add a, a brand of something to your water that you're mm-hmm. game for sharing? I'd love to hear it because I'm a big fan of adding electrolytes to water. Carolyn and I both are. Yeah. So it really depends um, on the client situation. but And I use a lot of different ones, but I'll name off a couple. So we just have a Berkey filter at our house, and that's what I use. But the thing that people often forget about filtered water is that it does – filter minerals out. And so you want to replace those minerals, which is part of the reason um, that I'm a huge fan of adding them in. But some of the ones that I like, the Jigsaw Adrenal Cocktail is one that I use a lot. The Pickleball Cocktail by the same brand is one that I use a lot. And I actually have this is going to make me sound nuts, but I actually have a custom mineral blend that's based on like my specific mineral results. And so that's something that we order for our clients um, based on like mineral testing that we do. So that's something recently that I've been doing. And um, it's great because it's all the things that I need in one scoop and I just add it in and can move on with the day. Wow. Neat. So you you basically got your mineral level or you, you did mineral testing on yourself. You offer this for clients. And then from that, you have the resources to then customize um, like whatever supplement that you're going to add to your water. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's tailored to what they need. That's amazing. That okay, is see, so you're gonna cool. You're going to have to do the program. I am. Too. Now I'm really going to have to do it because I'm like really into <laughs> the water and the minerals and the things that go into it. They're not the best tasting. I will caveat it with that. There's flavors you can add, but it's just like, it's so much easier than adding like 14 different powders to your water, which I'm not opposed to that. And I, I was actually, we had some friends over on Memorial day and they're like, Oh yeah, Heather always has some kind of powder in her water. (laughs) I'm like, I'm glad I have that reputation, but, um, you know, it's like, if you're trying to condense it, having this blend makes it a lot easier. Yeah. We're we're taking 14 different supplements, right? You know, they may or may not be in the right form that you need, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So this has been incredibly enlightening. Um, Before we let you go, will you tell our listeners, we'll link it in the show notes, as Carolyn said, but tell our listeners where they can find you, Instagram, podcast, website, Facebook even. I don't know. You tell us. Yeah. So if you want to connect on Instagram, that's probably where I hang out the most. So it's just Dr. Heather Finley. Um, But I also have a fun quiz that people could take, or maybe you guys will want to take it. So the quiz will basically help you understand what's causing your digestive symptoms, but I put a fun twist on it. So it's what popular song describes your digestive symptoms. So you'll find out if you're I can't stop the feeling or the climb or bring me back to life. It's a pretty fun quiz. It's just drheatherfinley.co backslash quiz if you want to take the quiz. Okay. I think I saw it on Instagram. I have a podcast as well. It's the Love Your Gut podcast. Love it. Oh, my gosh. This is great. Um, wow. Well, I know. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been- Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Yeah, and I'm thinking you may get um, – in addition to us, I'm thinking you may have some new clients. You might be there. Well, <laughs> sure. episode goes live. For sure. I and love it. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.